Hey, this is Peter Fredette from the Kim Mitchell Band. You're listening to Tramps Like Us, a Bruce Springsteen podcast with Lee McCormick. What's happening, folks? I'm Lee McCormick. Welcome to Tramps Like Us, a Bruce Springsteen podcast, episode 83, Cover Me, volume 6. We're back with another installment of our Cover Me series. All the listeners out there seem to enjoy these shows, where we discuss six Springsteen cover songs. One song of Bruce covering someone else, and five songs of other artists covering Bruce. For this show, I'm joined by good friend Greg Troyan. You may remember Greg from the Nashville Rock and Pod episode last summer. Greg stopped by to uh, chat with us on the show that day. Greg is here to do some promo for his band Lipstick Generation, who have some new music out there. I'm sure we'll mention that. We're going to talk about his podcast, Lipstick Panel, which I've guested on a few times. And of course, we're going to talk about Springsteen and some cover songs. As always, thank you for tuning in, whether via the website TrampsLikeUsPod.com iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Podbean. You can contact the show and leave feedback via the website or on the Facebook group page, where you can also keep updated on the latest with the podcast and share and engage in some Bruce Springsteen and E Street happenings. All right, okay, here we go. Let's get to it. Let's talk about some cover songs with Greg Troyan. Cover me, cover me, cover me. So Greg Torian's back on the show. How you doing, man? Man, I am. I am doing great. I am uh, fresh off of our Rambo episode we just did together. Yeah. Uh, I apologize for my hot takes on Rambo, or for my one hot take on Rambo. The rest was pretty reasonable, but I did have the hottest take of all in that episode. Yeah, it was shocking, man. That was a long episode. We talked about two hours on that. So I encourage people to uh, go and listen to our that Rambo episode on your podcast, Greg Torian, the Lipstick Panel, right? Yeah, uh, should be uh, the next one to come out in our queue. So by the time this episode comes out, uh, it should be out. So yeah, about a week from our recording time is when the Rambo episode should be out. And man, it was it was a lot of fun, despite my terrible, terrible opinion. Well, it was funny because we agreed on like every movie it seemed until we got right to the end. So uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was Look, pretty we cool. We both agree that the Rocky series is great and Cobra is great, yep. and we both love four Rambo movies. Absolutely, and uh, 
I loved your comment too. You you were you were a fan of the the movie Oscar. I love Oscar. That's a great one. Eh? Oscar's so underrated. I love that movie. <laughs> yeah, I I love those movies that kind of take place in like a small amount of time. Like it's it, that movie takes place in like one night or something like that, right? Oh yeah, it's a, it's such a like fast paced like screwball comedy. That movie's great. So yeah, you're here on the show. We're gonna we'll do this uh, cover me episode where we talk about covers. But first. Uh, just to introduce you to the fine listeners of the show, you uh, you guessed it on the show there back in August at the Rock and Pod. Lipstick Generation played that show, and uh, yeah, your podcast is Lipstick Panel, and you're here to promote a uh, new single, new video kind of thing, right? Yes, I'm here to promote uh, a cover we did. It is uh, unfortunately not a Bruce Springsteen cover, but <laughs> hey, you know, if uh, we get a Patreon going, I will cover as many Bruce Springsteen songs as the people want. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, we covered uh, the Eric Carr song, Eyes of Love. Um it's a it's a cool like little demo that uh, never really saw the light of day. It just um, you know it got released on CD back in the late '90s, and actually there's a there's a vinyl pressing um, that'll be coming out from Eric's estate um, oh, yeah. pretty soon actually. But we didn't know about it. We just we loved the song and we wanted a song to sort of announce our new image, announce our new sound, and uh, we couldn't agree what song of ours should be the single. And so we decided to not do a song that I wrote or a song that Steve wrote. We just took it out of our hands and just did someone else's song. So that way egos were out of it yeah. uh, because everybody loves Eric Carr. And so, uh, you know, Steve's song or my song, you know, we're just like, let's veto each other. Let someone else take a stab <laughs> at the single. <laughs> and um, it, w- it was a great learning experience because like you, when you look at someone else's material and really dissect it you, and, and cover it, you you learn new things about yourself as a songwriter. You learn things about them, and you're like, oh, I hadn't thought about doing that kind of harmony or this kind of arrangement. And so, well, that's the best was, way to learn. Really, yeah. So yeah, I'm very proud of it. Very happy with it. New video out on all the streaming services. Okay, we did all the plugging. <laughs> We're here to talk about Springsteen. I just binged the entire Springsteen catalog this week. Yeah, and you- then I went. Listen to more Springsteen after I've been to the catalog. So it was like, oh man, I'm sick of this. Like, nope, more, bring, bring on more. So, oh man. Yeah, and you're sort I'm, of a you're sort of a newer I'm, fan, right? You're a younger fan to the uh, Springsteen uh, fandom, aren't you? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm 29 years old. Uh, you know, discovered really discovered Springsteen back in high school. Um, like, I think I knew Born in the USA. Uh, just cause like, that's just part of the culture, no matter what generation you are. But when I started really getting into, you know, classic rock, uh, you know, dived into the Springsteen catalog, listened to all the albums that were released up to that point, loved them. But, you know, then as I became a broke musician and started gigging all the time, I, you know, I kind of missed out on like the last decade of the Springsteen albums, mm-hmm. but then just recently binge the ones, binge them all, the ones I knew and the ones I missed this week. And, oh man, just. I missed out on some great albums. Uh, you know, the new one, you know, as we were talking about Rambo, um, the new one kind of gives me a, a Rambo 5 kind of vibe, you know, Western stars, because it's like out yeah. in the Old West, like where Rambo is on the Old West, you know, Cowboy Rambo. Totally, so, like, yeah. listening to Western stars, you feel like Rambo 5, so I'm, like, syncing everything up. So that that's, <laughs> I think, just in my head, Western stars is always just going to be the last Blood album. Yeah, I've kind of always kind of had a parallel between Springsteen and Stallone, you know? Like, they seem like they would be, they get along, like they must be fans of each other, right? And, and like, yeah, that's a good comparison, because in the, the Last Blood Rambo 5 movie, he's kind of, like, got this kind of Western vibe to him, and now Springsteen's got this kind of Western vibe on this last record, right? 
Yeah. So, I mean, I've, I love, I, you know, I feel like so bad for the songs I miss, but I'm so like, just glad to just have heard them and brought them back and revisiting like some stuff I hadn't listened to in a long time. Like, you know, I'll be honest, Tunnel of Love is not in constant rotation for me. Right. Uh, my, my main Springsteen, like bread and butter. So like I, I listen to Springsteen like a few times per year and he's like in semi-regular rotation. Yeah. So it's the first three albums and uh, the rising are like the ones that are normal rotation for me. And then every now and then it'll be like, you know, darkness or, um, or the river, uh, you know, and uh, I, you know, I rediscovered Nebraska. I'm like, Oh man, such a great record. So. But, yeah. Um, you're a big, you're a big uh, Jim Steinman fan, right? So that kind of speaks to uh why you love the first uh, few records there, right? The Asbury yeah, Park and E Street Shuffle and Born to Run, obviously, right? Yeah, the the sonics of it, it just it feels right. Yeah, and you know, I I hate to be one of those guys who's just like, oh yeah, the first three records, because anyone who says that about any band you like, it's always a little bit annoying. Like, you know, they have a lot of other great stuff other than those first three yeah. records. But the old stuff's always the best, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. Like, I don't know. Like, every band, the old stuff is always the best. I don't know. Like, it's it's very rare that there's a band that their old stuff isn't as good as their new stuff, right? I can't name one. Well, I'll tell you this. I think the, you know, I hate to be the guy who's, like, born to run as the best Springsteen record. It is, but, though, but I know. My, it might not, it's not it really is. my favorite, but it's probably the best one, yeah. But it's probably my favorite. But I'm putting. I'm actually going to put the Ryzen as number two. Like as I marathoned yeah, everything, heavier. like the Ryzen is so freaking good. Yeah. Like, you know, I I've been arguing with friends on Facebook about Springsteen albums all week. Uh, all of you ragging on the Ryzen, you're just wrong, <laughs> absolutely wrong. The Rising is great, man. That's an epic record that came out in a, a poignant time in uh in the world, and it was uh, it was a much needed record there in uh, 2002. You know, the aftermath of 9/11. And just, you know, so inspirational, like the story of Bruce, you know, like running into a fan and the fan saying, like, we need you right now. Yeah. And then him, like, getting the inspiration to do the record. Like, that is so freaking American. And, like, <laughs> the the good kind of American. Like, you, you want – it's like the good patriotism you want to feel from the United States. Like, not like the jingoism crap, but just like the the just – heartfelt blue collar like you know community all of us in this together that's right like who better to put out a record like that than the boss right yeah it's just you know and you know there's there was so much uh, great music in response to that tragedy like the the mccartney song freedom um just you know it's the neil young record uh are you passionate that was a great one he put out the soul record and it was like just right after uh 9-11 and it kind of had some uh I had some great stuff on it. I, I I love Neil Young. I know that is not popular in the glam and uh, metal community. <laughs> to Neil Young, but man, I don't care. Like you know, all these, all these like you know, great like singer songwriter dudes with that like heartland like blue collar like work ethic. I am just I'm all about those dudes. Yeah, how Spring can you deny State. it, man? That's the great great songwriters. Yeah. Yep. Springsteen, Seeger, Michael Stanley, like all those dudes. I'm just like, yes. I just feel it like deep within the core of my soul. Yeah, so it's real like, shit, that's, man. It's that's good. why, you know, binging this catalog, I could just like go back, like, all right, I guess I'll just do it again. <laughs> like, it wasn't like, oh, I'm burnt out. Like, all right, I'm ready for more. <laughs> awesome, man. Yeah. So maybe one day down the line, we'll hook up for another episode, maybe do like a, like an album discography overview kind of thing, like lipstick panel style. That would be cool. 
Oh yeah, that'd be uh, that'd be epic. I do want to do a few more listens of the of the later albums to make sure I do love Outlaw Pete as much as I think <laughs> I do. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, the task at hand tonight is we're going to talk about six cover songs, right? Tying into your uh, Eyes of Love cover there. So, uh, so what we do is we have one song that Bruce Springsteen and the East Street Band have covered, and then we're going to talk about five songs of other artists covering Springsteen. Right, so we each picked three, and I gave you the Bruce cover. So, what did you come up with for uh, a song by Springsteen covering somebody else? I went with, you know, I ha- I had two choices in my back pocket, but I went with um, just one of my favorite songs ever, which is uh, Edwin Starr's uh, "War." Just uh, the the original version, is just like such a, a potent, powerful, like heavy song oh, yeah. like i would say it's as heavy as like any metal song out there but it's like you know this soulful r&b song but it's about just like you know a very powerful message it's like yeah war is terrible and you know that original vocal is just like so aggressive and angry and um actually that's not the original the, the original is by the temptations did you know that Oh, you know, I I remember that. I I had forgotten yes. about it. It's a Motown song written by Norman Whitfield and Barrett Strong, and they originally gave the song to, to the Temps, right? So they recorded a version of it, which is pretty cool, but it didn't go to number one, and there was kind of a little bit of a backlash because the Temptations were so popular, right? So some of their more conservative fans, you know, they weren't down with this song like the... Like, they didn't want the Temptations to be singing, like, politically active lyrics and stuff like that, right? So they immediately knew the song was good, but so they got this guy, Edwin Starr, to re-record it to appease some of the fans, right? And that's the one that went to number one. Yeah, I, to- I totally forgot about that. I only listened to, like, the Temptations version maybe, like, once in high school out of right. curiosity. Yeah, it's pretty good. And uh, I remember it being pretty good, but, like, you know, the Edwin Starr version, just like, that's just, like, oh, yeah. such a, a potent track. But it's Bruce's great. version is still just, you know, it's a phenomenal arena rock anthem it just um balls to the wall you know kick ass powerful and it fits in so well with his catalog yeah. where it feels like a song he could have written and could have been on born in the usa it just it it just it's it fits like a glove and it's so perfect well yeah he played this song uh the last couple of shows on the born in the usa tour um he closed out that tour that year-long tour in los angeles so they worked up this version, recorded it, and they released it as a single off that live box set that would come out like a year later, right? So it's pretty cool. I love the uh, there's the the spoken word intro, right? Like I guess you gotta watch the video too. The video is pretty cool, right? So uh, the spoken word intro, you got Nils playing like some little atmospheric guitar licks behind it, right? And Bruce is talking about like like if you blindly follow your leaders in government or anything else it's dangerous and it could get you killed right <laughs> and then he's like what i'm talking about is war right and then he kicks the band just in hits into it <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah it's so it's so epic throws down the fist the, kicks the band in right oh yeah it's it's so good it's that uh, i was listening to the, the all of these songs again at work today just to refresh myself just like when that just it hit in chills yeah just like <laughs> it's it's uh you know amazing um showmanship but you know delivering a powerful message um to me it's still madness when people complain about bruce springsteen getting political because like he's kind of always done that yeah so like people who are just complaining now i'm like 
have you just not been paying attention to this dude's career? <laughs> no. <laughs> so, it's ridiculous, right? Yeah, I know. It's stupid. People are stupid. But I found this 12-inch actually recently. I was away on cruise ships working in Europe and uh, record shopping as I do. And uh, I found this 12-inch in Barcelona, which is pretty cool. So I grabbed that. And the cool video, we, we mentioned earlier we were talking about Rambo and Stallone, right? Like he's got the bandana around his hair. His hair's a little long. He's kind of like a leather jacket, jean jacket wearing kind of guy at this point, right? So, <laughs> so I, I, and like I see a little connection with Springsteen and like Stallone in uh, 84, 85 era, right? Rambo connection, born in the USA. Yeah, this is his Rambo era. And then uh, Tunnel of Love is what? Um, tango and Cash? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, classic. Yeah, the tango and cash. They put on a suit, right? Clean themselves up a bit. <laughs> all right, so let's uh, let's play this song and check out the video if uh, after, after this. And you see all the styles, uh, you know, Roy in his uh, Bill Cosby sweater, you know, Clarence in all white with a headband. Right? And, and Bruce just literally popping veins, like singing this song, War. <laughs> we grew up in the 60s. We grew up... With war on TV every night. A war that your friends were involved in. And uh, I want to do this song tonight for all the young people out there. If you're in your teens. Because I remember a lot of my friends when we were 17 or 18, we didn't. I have much of a chance to think about how we felt about a lot of things. And uh, the next time, they're going to be looking at you. And you're going to need a lot of information to know what you're going to want to do. Because in 1985, Blind faith in your leaders or in anything will get you killed. Because what I'm talking about here is.
So now we're going to get into some cover songs by other artists covering Bruce Springsteen songs. So my first pick is a cover of Dancing in the Dark by Miss Tina Turner, right? I love Tina, truly one of the greatest performers ever, right? And this is her cover of Dancing in the Dark. This is a live performance from uh, Tokyo, Japan at the Budokan. This was from uh, December 28th, 85. Now, this is an okay version of the song. It's pretty faithful to the original. I think Dancing in the Dark is a pretty great pop song. You know, it has that mid-80s vibe to it. I love the Bruce version. This works well with Tina's voice and style. It could have been out on that uh, uh, Private Dancer record. It would have fit in good on that. Her version is good, but not great. You know, it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of average. But what I really dig about this song and the reason I picked it, Greg, is because of her introduction to this, right? <laughs> so <laughs> so she introduced, there's a video for this, like check all these out on the YouTubes, right? Like there's a video for this where she's introducing the song and she tells like the Japanese Budokan crowd that this is her comeback period of her life, right? And how she's worked with some amazing people. And then she starts name dropping uh, Mick Jagger, Rod Stewart, Brian Adams, David Bowie, right? And then she says, I wanted to do something else with another guy. But he got married, right? <laughs> like so, I'm like, what is this something else? Yeah, she that wanted? was that was a sexy moment. Right? Yeah, like, <laughs> like what is this something else she wants to do? Right? <laughs> like I would, <laughs> right. I would love to do something else with Tina Turner. Right? Even today, at almost 80 years old, I'd get it on with Tina. Right? She's awesome. Right? <laughs> so then she goes. Uh, she says he promised to write a song for her, but until she, but until he's ready, she's gonna use one of his. Right? And then she goes in the dancing in the dark. <laughs> What did you think of this one? Did you watch that video, Greg? Oh yeah, no, I've, I've, like I said, I, I've watched all of the videos a couple times yeah. and listened to the, the ones that have mine were audio only, over and over again, just to get the feel for them. Yeah. Um, so I actually, I like this version a lot. Um, I have a, a friend in Nashville who uh, just does a mean Tina Turner, and so like, I've never seen Tina live, but the this friend of mine has like the same voice and stage presence and like does some Tina covers and just like has that power as a performer. Right. So like I kind of felt like that Tina Turner experience like up close and personal. And uh, <laughs> so I, I dug this. Like I thought the vocals were great and I thought the drums had really good energy. Like there was a lot of momentum behind them. Yeah. So it felt like a good, like good arena rock rendition and just it kept that power going. So I, I probably, out of all of your picks, I think this is the one I liked the. Uh, yeah, I think I liked this one the most. Of your picks. <laughs> wow, hot take, Greg Troy, with another shocking revelation. <laughs> See, I think she's good on this. Like, like I said, I think she's she. I liked it for the intro only. That's why I picked. I think her band is kind of lame though. Eh? Like, like that keyboard par- keyboard part is is way too high in the mix. You know, I would love to hear that like an organ instead of that that synth part but i guess she's trying to do it so close to the original right like maybe she's trying to impress bruce with her like true cover version of this song right like he even complete with his goofy looking topless dude on keyboards and then he he, he grabs the sax right topless on keyboards was uh, her making up for uh, not being able to hang out with bruce yeah i think that guy was, that there's a reason the keyboards were high in the mix and there's a reason why that dude wasn't wearing a shirt that was that was tina's boy oh, tour tour absolutely I don't even need to Wikipedia that. That was her boy tour at that tour. Yeah, and then he he jumps out front at the end to do the sax solo, and he's got like a fanny pack on and everything, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, this is the encore song, like last song of the night. And Tina does this one thing which I love, but like kind of the thing that all the soul singer exit, 
right? That you got to do. Whereas the band is playing, the band's rocking, and then the singer's like, thank you, good night, I got to go, I just have to go, right? And then they leave the stage while the band's still kicking, right? I love that. That's so classy, right? So uh, <laughs> pretty cool. So check out Tina Turner doing Dancing in the Dark, 1985 in Japan, live in Japan. But uh, especially check out this intro, Sassy Tina. <laughs> the last few years of my life is wonderful. I have worked with Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones. Rod Stewart. Lionel Richie. I've done a duet with Brian Adams. David Bowie. And I, I wanted to do something else with another guy. But he got married. But he promised to write a song for me. And until he gets it ready, I'll use one of his. Will you do it with me? By the way, his name is Bruce!
All right, you got another pick for us, Greg? Give me another cover version. Here. Yeah, so uh, this, um, I, I talked about uh, whether or not this counted as a cover because, uh, you know, the most famous version of this song is uh, Patti Smith, uh, Because the Night. Right, right. Uh, and then uh, didn't, didn't Bruce cover it live after it came out? Um, well, I would uh, I would object to your version of calling it a cover version if Bruce did it because Bruce wrote it. So I mean, he's always allowed to do it. But Patty right. did have the original recording of it. Bruce, uh, you know the story behind the song was that you know Bruce was writing so many songs in '77. This is during the darkness on the edge of town period, and he had like 60, 70 songs, and this song didn't really fit in with the uh, the theme, uh, the vibe of the record that he wanted to make. Right, this was a love song that kind of stuck out so you know he didn't have it finished and that little weasel lizard face jimmy iovine was producing <laughs> patty smith at the time right and he asked bruce to give her a song like we need a hit we need a hit so bruce was like ah i got this one if she can finish the lyrics she can have it right so then she rewrote that one verse uh, you know about the telephone ring which was about the guy from mc5 fred sonic smith right right yeah, so we did this song on the, the actual last uh, Cover Me episode with Randy Hall, Volume 5. We did this because uh, 10,000 Maniacs had a good cover version of this in the 90s, right? So, yeah, this is a great song. A lot of bands cover this one. but uh, Yeah, but the, the version I chose is, uh, you know, keeping <laughs> yeah. on brand with the hair metal theme, uh, the Keel version of Because the Night. Keel. Which, um, <laughs> yeah. Good old Ron Keel, yeah, right? So Rock and Pod of- alumni, Ron Keel. Yeah, Rock and Pot alumni Ron Keel. Uh, what's funny is, um, so uh, he played the song at the at the pre party uh, last year did, did, during his uh, acoustic set. Really, I wasn't and, there uh, for that. I missed that. Damn. Yeah, and so what was funny? There was a there was a buddy of mine, uh, Greg Mangus, uh, the man, the myth, the legend, uh, and so he was uh, chatting with me, and uh, you know, you know, talking about uh, you know what a great songwriter uh, you know Ron Keel was, and then. Uh, you know, because the night, uh, you know, he started playing that and he came by me later. He's like, oh man, great songwriter, great songwriter. <laughs> and it was like, I don't know if you're trolling me right now. I'm like, I know you know a lot about music, so I think you're trolling me, yeah. but I'm just going to let this pass, Greg. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, yeah. I'm, I hope you put, I hope you put him in his place, man. Did you put him in place and set him straight? Uh, no, I, I, I didn't put him in his place. He's just, he's just one of those guys who just like has this momentum and power. Right. And, uh, when, when someone you can tell is just like doing a hardcore troll, you just like let it slide. Yeah, just walk on, <laughs> yeah. Walk on, brother. Walk yeah. on. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. You just walk on. <laughs> like he, he's, he's one of those dudes who when we were both single, like we're both married now, but when we were single to bust each other's balls like at clubs, we whenever the other one was talking to a girl, we would interrupt the conversation and start flirting with the girl ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like, you know, two rock guys named Greg just like always cutting each other off, always messing with each other. So I'm pretty sure he was messing with me with the Because of the Night comment. But like, you know right, what? I'm yeah, not gotcha. taking your bait, man. Good for you, man. But yeah, it's a it's it's a fun cover. Uh it's not my favorite version of the song, but yeah. I think it's just I'm glad that you know, you had a hair metal band at the at the height of their powers, choosing to cover in Springsteen. Like, I think that's very cool. It's weird that Bon Jovi wasn't the band that decided to cover Springsteen at the height of their powers, but, you know. Well, that would be too uh, obvious. He was trying to rip Springsteen off in other ways and disguise it as songs like uh, Born to Be My Baby and Living on a Prayer and stuff, right? <laughs> right. 
But uh, at, hey, it's a it's a cool song, and uh, you weren't aware of it until I brought it up to you. So yeah, hey, I, I, I I've heard of Keel, it. right? But I didn't know them very well, and uh, I'm like, yeah, they covered a Springsteen song. Yeah, so uh, so I watched this a few times, and uh, it's all right. I mean, like it it's definitely has that like mid '80s uh, uh, hard rock vibe to it. Uh, you know, dudes playing a weird looking acoustic guitar, like one of those. It's like shaped like a Japanese '80s uh, Strat, right? But it's like an acoustic guitar. It's wacky looking. You know, the, the one thing I'll say about this is that he th- this song needs a lot of passion to deliver it properly, right? Like, this is an intense love song, right? And, and Bruce definitely has that when he, he sings it. And even though I don't like Patti Smith very much, um, you know, she definitely has passion and intensity. And, uh, yeah, I just didn't know if Ron Keel was feeling this as uh, intensely as he should have, you know? I love the part he screams. Yeah. Like, he screams before the solo, like he does this one thing, like, it belongs to us. That kind of made me laugh. He does this little scream, which was cool. <laughs> but, yeah, it's all right. It's it's nice to listen to. But, you know, in a world where the Springsteen version exists, like, I don't really have a need for this song. You know, I, I, was, I was like, yeah, the production's very dated. And I went to check who produced it. And uh, I was like, maybe it's the producer's fault. And sure enough, produced by Gene Simmons. <laughs> 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 so there you go. Uh, everything comes back to Kiss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, so some Keel, uh, a hard rock version of some Springsteen. So this is from uh, 1986, right? Because of the night. Take me now, baby, here as I am. Pull me close, try and understand. Desires Touch me now, 
Greg, so my next pick is uh, uh, my favorite artist. My, my second favorite songwriter is Bruce Springsteen. So I'm going to play a couple of Steve Earle songs for you now. I love Steve Earle. Now this is Steve Earle doing three car songs here. You know, this is my show. I make the rules. So I'm going to play three songs in a row, sort of right here. Right? So, this, <laughs> so this is uh, Steve Earle bookending his own song, Sweet Little 66, with uh, two Springsteen hot rod car songs, uh, opening with Racing in the Streets, and then going into Steve's Sweet Little 66, and then segueing that right in a pink Cadillac, right? So I love Steve Earle. He can do no wrong with me, I, so I fucking love this. It's, uh, it's, it's so awesome. Like, I've heard Steve do racing before. He's kind of done this kind of just acoustic thing, introducing uh, this song before. Usually always solo acoustic, and, you know, it's kind of like the same character in, in both songs, right? Like, the, the guy in Racing in the Streets could also be the guy in Sweet Little 66, Right, like the guy in racing has a '69 Chevy, and the guy in Sweet Little '66 has a has a '66 Chevy. Right, so uh, and then what the hell? Let's follow those two songs about guys and their cars with a Pink Cadillac. Right, another Springsteen song about a car. Yeah, or it could be about a girl and her, uh, uh, you know, something else pink that she has. Right, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, what did you think of this? Do you know who Steve Earle? Is how uh, you're from Nashville? Like, is he? He's he? He's known there, right? You know, I actually was uh, being completely honest. Was not really familiar with Steve Earle. Right. Uh, the song uh, sounded familiar, so it just might be one of those songs where I had heard it, but I wasn't familiar with the artist. Yeah. Um, but I would say, uh, in the, this was probably my least favorite of the of the covers that you picked. Oh, Greg, you're killing um, me. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, we, we're, we're here for your honest opinion. Oh, that's good. <laughs> but you know, I, I'm nothing if not honest. Uh, much to my detriment, of uh, revealing my opinions on uh, what I thought was the worst Rambo movie and what I thought <laughs> yeah, was the worst yeah. cover tonight. Um, yeah, folks need to hear that for yeah, sure, I, I man. Thought, I thought the uh, the original was sort of the highlight of this bunch here. Like his original, um, and maybe because I just wasn't as familiar with it. Yeah. Like it was like sort of a new experience where I, I you know, I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of tapped my toe to this. And it, it felt, um, you know, I went back and listened to his original studio version of it. Uh, and it, it had a almost like a Springsteen-esque melody. Well, yeah, so I could I, I could I could see Springsteen totally covering Sweet Little 66. It could go both ways yeah. very well. And so, I mean, I definitely I definitely liked it, but I guess it wasn't. um it wasn't like Nets level for me. Yeah. It was I hear. just like, yeah, this is just like, you know, solid live cover, but it didn't um, do anything that made me go, wow, or love it. It's just like, yeah, this is pretty good. Okay. But it didn't uh, go to that Nets level. 
Um, yeah, so it was good, just didn't blow me away. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, this is uh, probably my number one subject of songs is girls and sex, right? Number two would be cars, right? So this is right up my alley. And the one cool thing here, uh, this is in uh, Drop D Tuning. Do you know about Drop D Tuning there, Greg? Oh, I am very familiar with uh, the madness of different tunings. There have been uh, times in, in uh, my band where we have had four different tunings yeah, four. of guitars <laughs> on stage at the same time. Yeah. Uh, Steve is two bass to drop B. We'll have a guitar player in drop D. We'll have uh, one guitar player in E flat and one in standard. And then, like, okay, we're all jamming on the same song together. Yeah. And it's just, I, I've dealt with just chaos with guitar tunings my entire <laughs> musical career. Yeah, we'll just give you a little thing here. So if you're in, uh, like, if you're playing an E and then you drop down to a D with a little bottom string. Right, so that's like a Steve Earl trick that he does a lot. These songs coming up are all in drop D tuning, which is kind of cool because it gives you a little kind of some diff different colors there when you're playing some of these different chord patterns. Right, yeah, so that's pretty cool. I love that. Singer songwriters. That's right, drop D tuning, man. Steve Earl playing this. Uh, electric uh, Telecaster. It's like a custom shop by uh, uh, who's the name? What's the name of the guy that makes it? It's on the tip of my tongue. It's like the, these metal guitars, and they're like Telecasters. Anyway, check out the YouTube video. So this is a great performance. Steve doing three songs here, uh, bookending his sweet little '66 with "Racing in the Streets" and "Pink Cadillac." And a cool little thing about this song was that uh, you know this is a recording from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, which was on my birthday, May 14th, and while I was like. Spending my birthday on a 13-hour flight to Singapore, you know, Steve Roll was rocking some uh, some Springsteen in Pittsburgh.
burning down Copperhead Road. Hey, this is Steve Earle, and you're listening to Tramps Like Us, a Bruce Springsteen podcast with Lee McCormick. All right, what do you got next, Greg? You got another cover song for us? Yeah, I've got another cover. So I've got Wolfsbane covering Born to Run. Uh, for those who aren't familiar with Wolfsbane, um, you know how every great rock band has three singers, uh, two of which are liked by the fans, and then one that all the fans hate and think all his records with the band are crap? Uh, so this is, the, this is the dude from Iron Maiden. Uh, who was who was not the most uh, beloved singer in the band? Blaze Bailey in yeah. his old band Wolfsbane, <laughs> uh, covering "Born to Run." Yeah, I like this one a lot. This one was cool. I like this one a lot better than Keel. Like you were definitely going with like the hard rock, uh, '80s, early '90s metal vibe, and uh, this one was really cool. Just slamming off the top, right? Like it just comes in like a, just kicks your head off like with those licks off the top. It's pretty cool. I think there's just a lot of authenticity to this. Like the Wolfsbane albums were more like blue collar like working man's metal yeah just like it felt like very much like you know we're playing the pubs you know we're we're kids in leather jackets but we all have you know crappy factory jobs and so like you feel authenticity of these guys doing a springsteen cover and it's just you know for what it might lack in terms of like um you know any production thing or you know not having the sonic grandeur of the original it's it's all heart, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like Rocky Balboa, all heart, That's and right. you just you feel it. And so, is it gonna ever top the original? No, but man, it's a great addition, and you can just like feel the passion coming off this track, <laughs> and just it's very cool. I guess they're a metal band, but this kind of has more of a punk feel. They kind of had that vibe, Wolfsbane. They were like yeah. a kind of punky kind of metal, and just like, but very like blue collar was always their vibe, like. Like, dare I say, I got, like, a Poison vibe to this a little bit, eh? Like, so, like you know how, like, Poison is kind of that, like, like uh, Pennsylvania, like, working class, like, trashy punk feel? Like, it kind of has a bit of a vibe like yeah. that, like, especially in the solo sections and stuff like that, right? That, much, that might be a crazy thing to say, but <laughs> that's what I heard. Yeah, I'll I tell you, I had an even a crazier thought today as I was thinking about lead singers and bands and how, you know, Blaze Bailey wasn't liked by Iron Maiden fans and Hot Take. I like those records. They're like towards the bottom of the catalog for me, yeah. but I still don't hate them. Yeah, but okay. I thought to myself, man, who else could they have gotten uh, to replace Bruce Dickinson at that time? Like, you know, because I liked Blaze Bailey and Wolfsbane, but I don't think he was a good fit for Maiden. Even though I liked the songs, I don't think he fit. Right. And so I thought, who's a lead singer that was good that would have been available like in the mid to late 90s to replace Bruce Dickinson? And then I thought, Sammy Hagar. He wasn't in Van Halen. Right. Could have hopped right into Maiden. Just been saving bands left and right with his amazing vocals. Or uh, or Bruce Springsteen even. Out of my head. Yeah, Bruce Springsteen even. Like Springsteen, the, like uh, those uh, late 90s when he didn't have the E Street Band. Maybe he could have done a Maiden tour. That might have been different. Oh, man. I See, I think... <laughs> yeah, this is going to sound harsh. I think Bruce is too good for Maiden. Well, yeah, he could, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I think the songs are on just like such another level where yeah. you couldn't have his catalog competing for Maiden's catalog for space in the set list. Yeah, plus Bruce would want to do like Wooly Bully right in the middle of the set, and Steve Harris would be like, no, right. we're not doing that. 
Versus, like, if you, if you, uh, you know, plus you don't want to replace a Bruce with a Bruce. It's going to have too many comparisons. But mm-hmm. Sammy Hagar, man, you only got, like, five songs you really need, like, room for in the set. Like, you know, if, you, if you're really pushing it. Right. You know, so th- that's why he, I think he would have been the ultimate just, like, front man replacement. And also just, like, the range. He kind of has that. He kind of has a lot of Dickinson's range in terms of technique. Um but you know that's that's my fantasy uh, parallel universe, the same parallel universe where Eddie Van Halen joined Kiss instead of uh, Vinnie Vincent. So you know there's lots of crazy stuff going on in that universe. Yeah. Who knows what would have happened, right? All right, so Wolfsbane with uh, Blaze Bailey on lead vocal. So this is just such a good song, like it can't be bad no matter what you do with it, right? <laughs> it's one of those songs. <laughs> Yeah. 
Okay, so we got one more song here. So this is kind of an interesting one. So all three of my picks, by the way, are live versions. I wanted to say right. So here we have another live version. This is a, this is a recent uh, a recent cover version of a Springsteen song. Uh, what was the date on this? September fifteenth in Tucson, Arizona. This is a cover of Tucson Train, which is off the last Springsteen record, Western Stars, performed by Little Steven and the Disciples of Soul, right? So how cool was this? I think that this version sounds more like Springsteen than the Springsteen version yeah. was. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, because Springsteen's version is very like laid back and lush with strings, and it's got this like new sound to it. But when Steven does it with the band, it almost sounds like an E Street Band version, right? With you know everybody kicking. So it'd be interesting to see, like, hopefully we're going to get an E Street Band tour in 2020. So it'd be nice if, uh, you know, Bruce played this song with the band. And, uh, you know, we'll see what arrangement we get. I'm sure uh, I'm sure Bruce loves what Steve did with this song. Hey, eh? did you like it? Yeah, so the thing is, I was going back and forth between whether or not I liked this one the best or the, the Dancing in the Dark the best. Yeah. And, um, you know, part of it might be the, the visual of just, like, how goofy Tina's set was with the keyboard player. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's nuts. and just that you know that sweet intro, and um, you know I'll be honest, like sometimes like little Steven, like he can he can like get on my nerves sometimes with like how much he like tries to shove obscure punk down your throats. Mm-hmm. Uh, where it's just like yeah, like I get it, but like there's more than just obscure punk, bro. Like you can listen to something else. So like you know he's he's annoyed me a little bit in the past, but ultimately I still love the dude. And this is so, such a clever cover. Yeah. Where he, he Springsteenized a song that Springsteen wrote, and then just made it more Springsteen than Springsteen did. And so, just like, the layers of that cleverness, and just like it's just it's a great version. They're just knocking it out of the park. Yeah. Um, you know the song is great to begin with. So. Well, yeah, this song I really identified with when I heard the the record for the first time. So check out that episode I did. Uh, a few ago where I did a first listen on Western Stars. And this song really um, spoke to me because, you know, this is a song about a guy waiting for the Tucson train to bring his estranged girl back to him, right? And I had a thing uh, recently where I was in Greece waiting on a girl to come back to me. And, uh, you know, she was arriving on an Athens plane, right? So I heard that song and I'm like, oh, this is kind of the same kind of vibe, right? So, you know, I really like this song a lot. It was close to the original, but with kind of Disciples of Soul twist, right? It's got bigger horns, background vocals and guitars, not as subtle, is Bruce's version. You know, they hit the bridge really hard, and, uh, you know, Steven looks like he's having a good time. He's not playing guitar on this. He's kind of just uh, dancing around and singing and leading the band. And, you know, it really shows, you know, some of the arrangement skills of uh, SVZ, I think, eh? some of the builds and transitions between the sections. Really cool. Soulful singing on the end there. Little Steve belting it out. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's, you know, as I was saying, like, he annoys me sometimes. I ultimately think he's a really underrated musician. So it's more just I listened to Little Steven's Underground Garage too much, like, a few years in a row. Yeah. And just got burnt out on some of the music picks. Where it was like, I'm listening every week, but I'm still annoyed. Right. And so that's just my own fault. But and it's like, it's not that I, I disliked what he was playing. I just wanted, like, a little bit more diversity. Right. But, like, I get, you know, it was the format of the show. But, you know, he's a great musician. And uh, just it's it's a great version. I I can't find anything to dislike about it other than that the keyboard's just in shirtless and you know Tina <laughs> yeah. Turner's <board> for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, Tina Turner's legs aren't on the stage, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. All right. Yeah, but regardless, let's check this out. This is uh, you know, little Steven promoting Bruce's film Western Stars, which is coming out uh, later this month. I think October twenty fifth. So this is a. Uh, 
you know, a disciple's version of a trailer, an audio trailer. <laughs> uh, we got something special for you tonight. We're gonna try something out. First time. A buddy of mine has a new album out. Called West of the Stars. And the movie's gonna come out. I believe it's October 25th. And you gotta see this movie. It's one of the most incredible things I've ever seen in my life. So we're gonna give you a little uh, disciples version of a trailer for, for the movie. <laughs> Audio trailer, anyway. <laughs> This is something uh, called Tucson Train.
Western Stars. October 25th. Don't miss that movie. All right, Greg. So there we go. There's our covers, man. Thanks for uh, joining me on this show. I hope everybody liked our picks. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm just like, I am on such a Bruce Springsteen like kick right now. Like, I'm just remembering <laughs> what I loved about the catalog in the first place, and just you know, he's one of those artists where you know he never like left the playlist and never went away. Right. But uh, I think just like this marathon that I did just like made it all come rushing back and i'm just like i'm i'm feeling i'm feeling just the magic of it and so this was just just such a fun podcast to do we're just like i am bursting with enthusiasm and uh you know arguing with julian on facebook about um bruce springsteen i was like no keep going you're almost there i know right just yeah get past that couple it's good I, stuff man he's got such a good catalog of music so i'm glad you're uh checking it out and i hope to uh Hope to get you back on the show in a little while, and we'll do like maybe the we'll kind of just talk about the whole discography as a whole. That would be awesome, man. Yeah, uh, I, you know, curiosity question. I've got you on, Mike. What do you think is the weakest Springsteen album? Well, obviously, it's the uh, the two solo records, uh, "Human Touch," "Lucky Town" from '92, right? Oh man! All right, so I I don't have that hot of a take. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, I think that would be the consensus, consensus of all uh, Springsteen fans. That those that's the weak moment when he he moved out to the West Coast and he fired the E Street Band and he tried some new things and that uh, you know which which as an artist I think you have to do and in hindsight you know there are still some good songs on that but uh, when you look at it when you look at the whole entire catalog yeah that's the weak spot for me for sure. Okay, cool. So I'm I'm not crazy. I have to check myself on my hot takes every now and then. Well, you're still like, okay. So. Well, you're still crazy, but just not about that. <laughs> just not about that in particular. <laughs> that's, that's right. Yeah. Crazy, but like it working on a dream more than magic. That is crazy. That's definitely crazy. Now, working on a dream does get a, does get a bad rap, but uh, you know, magic is great. I love magic. Ooh, that's one of my favorites. So one more time, we'll give uh, give people uh, some information on how to find out about you and Lipstick Generation and Lipstick Panel and the. Uh, the Eric Carr Eyes of Love video. My band is called Lifted Generation. We just released a new single, uh, the cover of the Eric Carr song Eyes of Love. So uh, if you look up Lipstick Generation on any streaming platform, it uh, should be on there. Uh, and the Eyes of Love video, music videos on YouTube. All right. uh, we host a weekly podcast called The Lipstick Panel, uh, which we've had Lee on a couple episodes, hoping to bring him on, you know, a few more. Uh, I keep like pushing back a Jerry Lee Lewis episode we keep meaning to do. Oh, we got to do that. And yeah. I, we got to do it. But I'm like, I'm tempted to bump that for a Springsteen episode. Like, no, I got to <laughs> not bump the Jerry Lee Lewis yeah. episode again. But I'm like, ah, oh, shoot. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling the boss so hard right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, the killer just turned 84 years old on uh, last weekend. So that's something to celebrate. There's always a reason to celebrate, man. And uh, yeah, I look forward to talking some more with you in the future on podcasts. Uh, thank you for uh, for bringing me into your your lovely podcast <laughs> abode. It's a uh, it's beautiful, uh, very lovely. Uh, there's just all these attractive women and Bruce Springsteen posters everywhere, so it's pretty great. So that's the show, folks. Thanks for listening. You can find us on our website at trampslikeuspod.com. Communicate with us on Facebook at our Tramps Like Us podcast group page, and on Twitter at Tramps Like Us Pod. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes where you can leave a review and a five-star rating. 
Tramps Like Us podcast is a nonprofit audio fanzine created by fans for fans and is available for free. And we are not affiliated with Bruce Springsteen or Columbia Sony Records. If you've heard any music you like, please find it and purchase it from BruceSpringsteen.net, iTunes, Amazon, your local record store, or wherever music is sold. As always, gratitude and respect to Bruce Springsteen and all past and current members of the heart-stopping, pants-dropping, hard-rocking, booty-shaking, earthquaking, love-making, Viagra-taking, history-making, testifying, death-defying, legendary E Street Band. All about it, baby. 